You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello again to another uh, episode of Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, 24-7 Sports. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. On today's show, we are going to talk about today's game and then we will dive a little into trade deadline, some more of the rumors of the day, and focusing in on the Cincinnati Reds and how I feel like they're kind of the fulcrum to this trade deadline. So the Indians lose one today. Uh blown save by Brad Hand and then they uh, you know in extra innings they end up losing it 2-1 to one. Uh, brilliant outing by Trevor Bauer it is the second time they have lost after a pitcher was absolutely brilliant in a low scoring game when you you know you look at it uh, Hand with the blown save Olsen with the loss Aaron Sanchez on the other side of things has really struggled this year. This was a, a rare outing for him to be as good as he was. It's it, He's had some serious issues throughout the year. The Blue Jays have a pretty solid pen, and uh, they're able to shut the Indians down. Uh, in the game itself, your offensive star is probably Greg Allen. He reached base twice, a hit and a walk, stole two bases. Uh, Lindor... And he scored the only run on a thanks to Francisco Lindor, Santana with the double, Mercado with the double, and Lindor with two hits. Uh, the Indians managed two walks in the game. And again, I'll point out how ridiculous it is that our number four hitter is the worst hitter uh, in the Cleveland Indians lineup on a regular basis, and they continue to have him batting cleanup. Uh, you know, when you look at the game today, and he was also the DH, uh, it is clear the Indians do need to add a bat at some point in some way, um, whether it's a trade or from the minors, but uh, something needs to be done. You know, they've been playing quite well uh, relatively offensively of late, so it's not just this one game. I think when, you know, Mike Freeman is getting as much time as he is and just the way the lineup is constructed... Um, I think it's rather clear that the Indians could use some help. This is one of those games you you sit back and it just frustrates you from the perspective of the Blue Jays are really bad. They had, if the season ended today, they would have the fifth pick in the draft. You can't keep sweeping everyone. That's just not going to happen. They didn't sweep Kansas City. Problem is tomorrow is probably the hardest game for the Indians in this series. You have Stroman against Bieber. Uh, Stroman has been solid this year. It, if you end up <laughs> losing a series against the Blue Jays, that that's a big deal. Um, after this, they have four more games against Kansas City, and then the schedule gets a lot more difficult. And that is really why, you know, I mentioned on last night's show, they really need to cut this lead down to one, uh, or tied, or take the lead over the next few days, because all of a sudden the schedules are going to flip. It's going to go from the Indians facing Cupcakes and the Twins facing the best teams to the uh, the Indians facing uh, contenders and the Twins facing Cupcakes. So if the Indians don't make this close, um, even closer than it is right now, 
the Twins could really build that lead back up and make it an impossibility for the Indians. The Indians were lucky enough tonight to get bailed out by the Yankees. Uh, Twins, and it was a crazy game. Bottom of the 10th right now, two outs. Uh, Twins managed to get the bases loaded down one run with no outs and only got one run to show for it. Um, Kind of, I mean, if they just manage one more sack fly or do something else, uh, Twins get a win and are able to expand that lead. Indians are lucky enough that they don't, so the lead stays where it is. So for once, we uh, we have to be thankful to the Yankees. Uh, around baseball today, you know, at the at this current point in time, the Indians still have the wild card spot. But since Oakland won, it's just a one game lead over Oakland. Tampa has fallen behind the Red Sox currently. It's by one percentage point, so it is they're essentially tied. But uh, Tampa's continued struggles have really seen them push down this chart um after tampa there's a good amount of space before you run into the angels rangers and white Sox. but that's kind of where we are in terms of scoreboard watching and you know with this game it's uh there's just not a whole lot that goes on you know again trevor bauer is you know th- is the star for the indians seven and two-thirds innings three hits three walks nine strikeouts and see one wild pitch and one hit batter. So 117 pitches, that's a lot. Brings his ERA down to 3.49. The big thing here, and you know the reason the Indians were set up and with a chance to win this is it was a game where Bauer did not give up a home run. He's that's been his Achilles heel all season, and avoiding it in this one, uh you know, that, that's basically the only reason the Indians had a chance. Brad Hand, this is his second blown save and his second in the last 30 days. He wasn't going to stay as good as he had been for those first few months. He's just not that quite level of a pitcher. He's going to be a good, uh, a very good closer for the Indians. I still don't think there's any chance they move him, especially with, uh, you know, basically all their top relievers in the minors having injury issues this year, it makes it even harder to consider such a situation. But that's kind of where we are with this. Again, tomorrow is Bieber versus Stroman. Uh, What likely will be Stroman's last start for the Blue Jays? I was kind of hoping they would would bench him because they wouldn't want to risk injury and uh, mess up the trade deadline. Uh, It doesn't appear that's going to happen. Stroman's been excellent this year. it's uh again i am still kind of holding out hope that we'll hear that he's been scratched before the the game occurs um just because especially what we're seeing at this point <clears throat> is someone like stroman's value is relative to the market just going up and up and up and we'll talk about that more in the the second half of today's show if you would like to reach an upscale male audience you can uh, advertise right here on the Lockdown Indians podcast. If you're Cleveland area focused, there's Lockdown Indians, Cavs, and Browns, all of them reaching an upscale male audience. Uh, you just need to mail uh, contact Lockdown at LockdownSports.com. And this is also a reminder to, uh, you can always tell your smart device, play Lockdown Indians, and we'll be there for your drive, 
for your uh, running, for your exercise, whatever you you do every day, we are there with you. So I talked about the fact that the second half of the show we were going to talk about you know, how things are setting up for the season and why, in my opinion, the Cincinnati Reds are kind of the fulcrum to this trade deadline. So the San Francisco Giants before um, were a team that uh, I felt like were the, the most important team to the trade deadline because if they decide to sell, you know, they have uh, one of the premier lefties in the game. They have three excellent relievers. But all of a sudden, this is a team that uh, they have played well they're over 500 they were they won again tonight uh they were just two back in the wild card entering the day so we go over to the national league with their win today they are two and a half back right now uh milwaukee is one and a half back philly is 0.5 back and then you got your nationals and your cardinals who are currently in there it's a that group is extremely tight and you can probably put the diamondbacks in there at three back those teams, it's going to be interesting to see the decisions they make, but it sounds like the Giants are just content to hold on to Madison Bumgardner, which, when we look at the current starting pitching crop, Mike Miner, uh, in my opinion, should be the top pitcher on the market, left-hander. Last year of his contract, I believe, that's kind of the one negative. Now, it's interesting that the Yankees are on his no-trade, be curious to see who's willing to go out there and pay the price for minor for uh philadelphia or st louis it would make a lot of sense one of those teams who need pitching the brewers the brewers should be chasing a mike minor uh but you remove bum gardener you look at the fact i don't think matt boyd for the reasons i've laid out before is going to get traded he's just value is torpedoed and the other starters on the market uh there's still debate if bauer is going to be traded and, you know, starting pitching, it's Mark, then Marcus Stroman becomes the obvious player. So uh, that just helps raise his value up to teams out there. And Toronto has been so good about getting value in all of their trades that uh, they are going to get max value for him at this point. Toronto, as I mentioned, is currently fifth worst record in baseball. Uh, San Francisco is down at 15. And the Fulcrum team, the Reds, are 10th. Now, the Reds have been atrocious um, for a while, and I commented often that I thought they made some terrible decisions this offseason trying to save jobs. Uh, They went out and were buyers when they were clearly not ready to be buyers. They went out and, uh, you know, last trade deadline did not sell at the high point peak value of Scooter Gannett when it was pretty clear that was his peak value. It was never going to get better, and they had a glut of infielders. He has been hurt most of this year and has not contributed much. Um, Their draft picks have had some developmental issues. Their drafts in general have been uh, head-scratching. You know, you go back and specifically look at that deal for Alex Wood and um, Puig, and Wood has not pitched for them this year due to injuries. They're hoping he'll be back at the end of the month. Uh, Jeter Downs is a very good shortstop prospect. Josiah Gray, I thought, was a, a better prospect than the... Um, I had him, like, 98th, and then the high school kid they took in the top of the second round and gave a ton of money to was uh, 99th. And I was... It's one of those things, and Gray has been uh, aggressively promoted by the Dodgers, 
and pitched quite well this year. And right now, uh, you know, the whole talk was, well, the, the Reds can trade these guys at the deadline if it doesn't work out. Well, when you trade them at the deadline, you're not going to get the same return for half a rental as you did for the full one. So it's a mess there. And there is that uh, situation where uh, your only hope, if you're the general manager, is to win. So maybe you don't sell because you're not willing to uh, to just throw in the towel. Um, I mean, this is a team that has been picking in the top six for the last three, four, five years in a row. It, it's, it's not been fun to be a Reds fan. And it doesn't look... So instead of picking in the top six, they'll pick 10th. So... You went out, traded away prospects to uh, to be just uh, slightly better. Now, if the Reds decide to sell, they become the most interesting team on the market, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And we, if you look at them offensively, uh, Jose Iglesias to a team that needs a middle infielder. He's a, a very good defender, uh, a rental, and close to a league average bat, slightly below. But again. Uh, if you want a plus defending shortstop, he is right there as a rental prospect. Uh, Yasiel Puig, I mentioned before, he's been, since June, one of the top 10 to 15 hitters in baseball, and he is a free agent to be. Makes perfect sense for the Reds to move on, um, especially to maybe give some of these other young players uh, a chance and seeing what they can do for you. You know, that. Votto is, is stuck with his contract. No one's going to take that on with his age. Jose uh, Pereza is not going to get teams talking. I mean, if they wanted to move Eugenio Suarez, they could get a lot of value there, but he's 27. Jess Winkler, 25. Nick Senzel, 24. That should be part of their future core along with Suarez. Um, Derek Dietrich is... Uh, 29, he went to the All-Star game, but he has been in a massive tailspin since about middle of June. I could not see any team wanting to acquire him at this point. It's, you know, he had a hot beginning of the year, and it's it's not been pretty since then. Everything's kind of fallen apart, and I I don't really think he's someone who's going to be a, a tradable commodity. Uh, a year ago, Scott uh, Shebler was quite good um, for the Reds. Two years ago, he was even better at age 26 when he had 30 home runs. But uh, the batting average is low. He's a little bit better than a league average bat. And because of their logjam in the outfield, he has had to spend some time this year in AAA. And if you're curious how he's done in AAA, it's not been great, but that's not uncommon for a player who's had major league success who's forced to go down to the minors to struggle down there. Uh, he could be a, a by-low candidate for a team who wants to get a player who has multiple years of control. And then you flip to the other side of things with the Reds. Uh, they should move Tanner Rourke. He is a innings-eater, back-end starter, with a long track record of success in that role. Uh, specifically, a team like the Astros, who just need another arm. They don't necessarily need someone for the playoffs, but they need an arm to help them get there. He makes a ton of sense. You know, The, uh, the Red Sox are out there um, 
chasing Andrew Kashner, Rourke would make a lot of sense. Uh, and this is the rare case where I think they'll get more value for him than they gave up. I wasn't a big Tanner Rainey fan, who's the prospect they gave up for him. But uh, they, I mean, it would be, uh, it would just, it would be mismanagement to not move him as a free agent to be uh, who's a back-end starter. You're not going to give that type of guy a qualifying offer. You're not. He's And he's 32. He's not part of your core. Uh, there's so many teams with pitching needs, and there's not a lot, a ton of starters on the market. Uh, it would be just a terrible job if they do not move on from Tanner Rourke. And then they have a lot of options in their bullpen. Uh, Raziel Iglesias is not having quite as strong of a year as years past, but he's still an effective closer with three years of control. Michael Lorenzen's been really good for them this year, multiple years of control. Amir Garrett's been really good for them, and he is a left-hander, which is all the more important, multiple years of control. So if they decide to move an arm, uh, you know, they could kind of replace the Giants, uh, in terms of one starter, three relievers, and that it would be if they decide to go all in on a rebuild, which I don't necessarily think is going to happen. Where it gets interesting for a team like the Indians is, frankly, they, the Reds, um, you know, they, they have some pieces that could help the tribe out. In the offseason, the talk was, you know, oh, the Reds want another starter. Maybe they would give up Sensel or Bauer. That's not something we're even thinking about right now. Uh, the Reds uh, ended up, uh, it was the hitters that became the issue this year for them, not the pitching. The pitching was actually better than expected. Sonny Gray has been quite good, and they have him for multiple years. Um, Luis Castillo has been utterly fantastic. They have all of those guys in place. So that's not really what we're considering. But if you are the Cleveland Indians and you're kind of looking at the Reds, Yasiel Puig makes a lot of sense. Um, You have a manager who has been in and around the game for an extremely long time and someone like Terry Francona should very easily be able to handle a personality like uh, Yasiel Puig. If he can't handle that personality as, you know, a long distinguished manager, then he, what's the point of having a long distinguished manager, basically? So, if you just go on a base level and you uh, look at Puig, it's hard to find an exact matchup for the Indians there. Um, Maybe the deal that would make the most sense at this point for Puig would be something like Puig for Sam Henkes, who's kind of seen his value drop this year with his uh, uh, struggle and command issues. Uh, he, I believe, is already on the 40-man top of my head, so the Indians wouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff. They'd clear a spot. Uh, the Reds get a pitcher who's in double-A, who's left-handed, who throws hard, and uh, had some command issues over the years. The Reds have uh, collected so many guys who throw hard and have command issues. Um, it seems like that's all they drafted for a while when they were looking at pitchers. Now, if that's not, you know, we could just stop a week. But there is a case for the Indians trying to get 
more. Uh, Tyler Olson with the loss tonight. I've kind of gone on before that he has not been the most reliable lefty in the pen. The Indians kind of could use. Um, you know, you have Oliver Perez is already your loogie, but getting another reliable pen arm could be nice. So if the Indians were to approach them up, up Puig and Amir Garrett, who there's been some talk around this year, all of a sudden it's trying to figure out a deal that makes sense in that situation. Now again with the Reds, uh, typically we've seen them kind of target pitching. I don't know uh, if Tristan McKenzie could highlight a deal like that. We're still waiting to see him pitch this year. I just I I can't even begin to judge what his value is or what his value is at at this point. Um, see, this is where it gets harder because it's you know are the Indians willing to move a George Valera? I I don't know. Nolan Jones. I don't think they're gonna be willing to move. And then you go through their prospect list, and it's finding the guys who make sense. And there aren't a lot of guys who can headline right now any type of bigger trade package for the Indians. So that's kind of why, at the end of the day, yes, Puig's a rental, but uh, Puig for Henkes just is one of those deals that I think it makes sense for all sides. I think gives the Reds an interesting lefty. The Indians trade from a position of strength get a player who's been one of the top 20 or so bats in baseball, but is just a rental and does have some baggage, but someone they can just plug into their outfield. All of a sudden you can, you know, put him in right field, strong arm. Uh, you get Mercado in center, and then you can just have that platoon of Naquin and, um, you agree? Cat's back on today's podcast. Platoon with Naquin and Luplo. And the fact that you'd have Puig in his performance and you can Put him, let's say, fourth in the lineup. You like that idea? Uh, fourth in that lineup all of a sudden really transforms things. Because if you keep the top three together, I, I would hope they would keep Jose Ramirez five. It means that Kipnis at least is getting moved down to sixth. Then you got seven Perez. Eighth is... Uh, sorry. Uh, eighth is probably Bowers, and then ninth is Naquin, and against lefties, it's, uh, you know, it might stay uh, four, five, and it might be Leplo is sixth, seventh is Kipnis, eight is Perez, nine is uh, is Bowers, or no, yes, so it, it to me that's a, it really transforms the lineup because it gets Kipnis just down it, which helps, and again, you're getting a guy who since the month of June has been one of the better outfielders in baseball, and the cost is a guy who I think most places would agree is no longer a top 10 prospect in the Indians organization, but still is an interesting enough guy to bring uh, to value bring value to the Reds or be a guy they would be intrigued by. So that is, uh, that's our trade talk for the show today. Thank you to everyone for listening, subscribing, and telling a friend. And as always, go Tribe!